Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Wesker demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up? Welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. That was Wesley in French? Yeah, a little bit weird. (laughs) Wesley. Today we're talking a movie from 2022, available on Disney+. Plus. The Academy Award nominated Best Documentary Film, Fire of Love. Kind of a dumb title. Also, it feels like it's like 1991. Because they died in 1991, but I think most of their courtship, they didn't really noticeably age. Uh, You know, the film quality got better so that we can see them a little bit more clearly and kind of see their age. But it all felt like, you know, within 10 years. Well, there's a little bit from their courtship and stuff. At least the story tries attempts to cover that. It's it's a less of a love story than I mean, don't they kind of behave? Don't Katya and Maurice kind of behave a little bit more like siblings than they do lovers? Is it a little bit of a misdirect to position this as a love story? See, that's what I'm saying. Fire of love implies that their love burns like a fire. The eruption and the uh, the chaotic nature of the volcano is like their tumultuous, fiery love. But it's not. It's like they are pretty good with each other. And also there's volcanoes everywhere. <laughs> right. And th- I mean, in the interview, Maurice is like, we're volcanic. We erupt. And then they cut to a shot and they're like walking all quietly in a deserted landscape. It's like, I don't see what's eruptive about their 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 love. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't, like, grab each other's butt in those sp- spaceman from Pluto outfits. You don't even feel it when you chuck a rock at each other's head. I was about to say, yeah, there's no butt grabbing. It's more like, how about I throw a rock at your head? Yep, and you can't make out. So they're fine because of their proximity. We know they're in love because when they died, the, like, scor- scorch mark on the earth suggested that they were next to each other. <laughs> It's so macabre. I mean, they went out in the only way they could. Maurice and Katia were not going to die old people warm in their beds. No way. They, they seemed like they were the foremost authorities on volcanoes, at least for their time. Well, they were definitely the only volcanologist couple. Yeah, and there's no, there are no rules. No one told them this is how you, close you can get to a red one and this is how close you can get to a gray one. Who teaches you about volcanoes? Like you need Maui to drop down and start singing about it or whatever. 
because otherwise it's all trial and error. It really is. I mean, consider how much their colleague, Vancouver, Vancouver, underestimated the might of that one eruption, the, the eruption that was his demise. Remember how they said their journalist friend was positioned 10 miles from a volcano? Yeah. And its blast radius was 30 miles? The uh, the, the dinosaur theory, was that a, is that a volcano? No, it's a meteor. Yeah, the KT boundary, and that was in the Yucatan Peninsula. I want to go there. That whole peninsula, Wait, I think, is the result of a crater. This impact site? Yep. Hmm. I mean, I could be wrong, because I think part of the crater is covered by land now, but it looks suspiciously round and crater-shaped. Hmm. I wonder if they have giant turnips there. Turnips? I, <laughs> we're pretty sure. Kelly Ray, at least, was pretty sure those were fake turnips. <laughs> were they like grown really? in volcanic nutrient rich soil or something? I bought it. She was like, she spoke up. That is not a real turnip. That is a fake turnip. But we don't know, man. We we're used to American produce. They could be gargantuan turnips in in Guatemala or whatever. I mean, this movie was pretty sincere. It would seem out of tone to like have introduced a fake turnip. Or maybe I'm just really gullible. Well, some of it was, it's obviously for show and the documentarians who never met the crafts because nobody met the crafts because the crafts didn't care about people. They were disappointed with humanity and volcanoes mm. is where it's at. They pieced together, you know, what they could from the footage, but they were definitely, remember someone said, are you like trout, like performers? And they're like, yeah, we can kind of be considered performers or whatever. Totally. It was apparent. And the Turnips are there for shock value. Did you see how, how methodically the Jeep in the opening was filmed? And like he'd get out of yeah. the car and be like, what? It's stuck or whatever. But someone's filming the exterior all like cowering in the snow or whatever. And then Right. Who was filming that? Right? I don't know. There's a really long shot where the Jeep comes around the corner. And they like get up and climb on the dirt pile or whatever, all covered in snow, where they were like, go over there and film it. And don't make your tracks visible. Now wait there. We're going to come around the corner in like three minutes or whatever. It was very <laughs> cinematic and very intentional. And in that way felt very produced, but it wasn't produced after the fact by the documentarians. They had footage, some of which was frustratingly limited and some of which forced them to admit certain things on, on in the film that were their limitations. Like we don't have any stuff about Katya and Maurice and their courtship or whatever. We just kind of see them start off with volcanoes. And it mm -hmm. felt it felt produced and, and sort of fantastic in that way. And thankfully, it's justifiable because, man, those images are crazy. They get crazy. Oh, they get really crazy. And so many of them are left unexplained. Like, where is she walking in the house that's canted 45 degrees? <laughs> right. Why are they wearing those weird masks? That's why I said Spaceman from Pluto, which is a Back to the Future reference, by the way, as, as, as weird as that sounds. But is that some kind of special metal that doesn't conduct heat? Don't you think they'd want something like, I don't know, those helmets get hot. It gets hot inside those helmets. Yes, I, mean, I don't really see the point. It could conceivably protect you from splashing magma or something, but it seems like temperature wise, like you see how ruddy they were. They're all fresh faced when they're young and like studying together and saying, I wish we could see volcanoes. And then they do. And then by the end, they're all like pink faced and ruddy because they're around volcanoes all day. Yeah, they get. Is that just long lens effect or are they really, really close to those volcanoes? Yeah, I, I have to imagine they're close enough. I mean, I. I you, this would be the one movie in history that wouldn't benefit in any way from a 3D conversion. 
the the immediate and the flatness of the frame just it makes it look like they're they're within the, they're like in the first three rows in the splash zone of those volcanoes. Yeah. It doesn't look it's scary. Yeah, they have like Chris Pratt level access to lava. Where he, they're like they're like towing it, yeah. Jurassic World style. Did you notice that very very few of those shots of the extreme lava proximity is of them together? It's like all their friends are like, "We'll help you film at base camp, dude." And I'll get out of the snow. I'll get out of the jeep in the snow, but I'm not going near the volcano with you. So it's like yeah. only her filming him or him filming her at the freaking lava's edge. Which is kind of a shame because if their performance stuff was going to shine, that would have been the place. Like if I were Mm. them, I would have staged like Northmen style fights at the edge of the lava, like with lightsabers (laughs) and stuff. I think that they were okay to do it separately, knowing that one day they'd get the the classic canoeing down the river of magma shot (laughs) together in their two man. They said clearly in that they had their differences at times or whatever. And I think the main difference was Katya's annoyance at him being like, I'm totally going to do the canoe down the lava thing. That Like, I'm going to, if I have to go out by magma canoe, that's how it's going to be. Oh, my God. Seriously, though, like, is there any worse? Like, that's a shoe in for the Darwin Awards, right? <laughs> right. I am not. We are not volcanologists. And we immediately knew that was a bad idea. <laughs> it's like he's literally too close to it, man. You do, do you, did you forget? It was inspired by his sulfuric acid, like river ride or whatever. Which at best, look, I get it. We saw Breaking Bad. Chemically speaking, that raft was safe in that, that particular acid. But rafts fail on their own, man. You touch that, you're you're doomed. Wasn't it eating their freaking paddles? I don't know about the paddles, but their sample, like the steel cable attached their sample to. <sighs> melted even though they had and they had to fight the current for three hours or whatever to get back and you're like this is just a bad idea yep um maurice in that way was definitely childlike he brought a lot of childlike wonder to his study of volcanology and the and the archival which was delightful but then it was these kind of childlike antics or fantasies that kind of a little bit rubbed me the wrong way yeah dudes have to do things and to do things you got to get close to things in order to do them. And then if you can, you draw a dick on it or whatever. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was like a weird sexual innuendo. Uh, maybe it is. <laughs> I guess kind of in a way. Uh, so okay, whatever. You make a you give him a pass because it's the same wonder and curiosity and craziness that allowed him to do all of the groundbreaking research that he and Katya did. There was a lot of footage that was questionable, like why did they film the shoe in their denizens of the of the real world, like home movie footage, like why who shot the video of the video of the film going through, you know, the projector reels or the editor wheels. I wonder, was it all, it was it exclusively volcano footage that they shot? Was some of it stock? Was some of the other stuff stock? And does it qualify if it was like uh, an edited together video that a program that they appeared on had edited in or whatever? Like, where are the rules of yeah. the like authenticity? Little picture and picture But I don't blame them for their showmanship. It seemed like it was very practical on their part. They had this was how they funded their research. They wrote books. They published the fo- their photos. They published their films. 
it was a necessary part of them documenting their work so that they can revisit it and study it, but also so that they can make some some money. Right. Look, you and I could be like twister chasers, right? Like tornado chasers, because all yep. we'd need is to fly to Kansas or something and get a Ford F-150 or whatever. But the, it wasn't just like, oh, the, you know, Mount St. Helens is erupting or whatever. Let's get there straight away. They needed not only to travel there, but they needed to get there super quick. They needed their network in place. And then it looked like most of the time they were like helicoptering up to the base of the mountain and mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, who who was funding those helicopter uh, excursions and, and who was shooting that footage? Like it feels it felt like their lifestyle was expensive. Yeah. They only mentioned one grant, but I'm sure there were others. I can't imagine that they were paid at least not too much for their television appearances. I think it had to have been their book and their film sales. Uh, I would hope so. So they've published like 20 books and they were authorities. So they, they spoke and stuff too. I mean, it is enough. The volcanoes look grand, but they're also free and you can go and all you got to do is get there. And so that's a minimum because they were sleeping in tents, man. Like, they were, like, talking about the volcano bombs, which is not a term that I came up with. They called them volcano bombs. The huge rocks that would shoot out. How do you avoid a volcano bomb in a tent? It's not like they were glamping. Their accommodations were pretty sparse, and they had to lug up their gear, and they're all red in the face because of it or whatever. But I wonder. It's not like, oh, digital card, whatever, melted because we got too close. Um, Those cameras are expensive and they didn't, you know, you drop them or film is like the least. They're shooting a 16 millimeter on celluloid, right? You get that in the next room as fire and it's going to melt. Yeah. Very vulnerable medium that doesn't do well in extreme temperatures, whether cold or hot. Yep. I mean, that last shot in Japan of the cloud, the pyroclastic cloud approaching the camera and they're like the guy abandoned it. And this is the image that it caught. Right. Mm-hmm. I wonder because we lose the image way before the cloud reaches the camera. And that dude was running in that van was was trying to get away from that cloud. It looked like it was coming. Tell me that that van picked up that dude. I'm hoping so. Hey. You don't just drive past him, right? You can't outrun a volcano. We know this from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. But but how would that film stock have possibly survived, right? They were reduced to like a camera and a watch. And they were at a relatively safe distance. They moved forward with their camera to get that shot, to get a shot, not that shot. The shot of the ambulance or the whatever responder vehicle and the guy running was was, was some journalist who had abandoned their camera. Right. But, oh, uh, um, you know to abandon the camera when the dude in the hazmat suit is running for his life faster than the van. Man, he was booking it. No choice. Yep. No choice. You, you, you do whatever you can. Maybe that extra 30 yards or meters or whatever that he ran will make <laughs> yep. the difference. So they underestimated the blast radius of that too like this wasn't a death wish like group suicide mission right i'm sure that when they came when when death came for them it wasn't horrifying to them they're like well this is the time all right and they're together and they probably didn't run for it because they knew there was no point but i did feel like they were courting death the whole time that they Mm -hmm. understood and knew i don't think it was just Let's not have kids because then we'd have to find a babysitter to go volcanoing. It's so so. There's no one who would grieve for them other than their friends. I guess it's not really fair to bring a kid into the world and then be like, okay, we're gonna go do dangerous stuff. Did you draw additional insight from this film other than they sure do like volcanoes? Okay, 
well, the love stuff didn't, it was fine, but it wasn't, that theme didn't overtake the volcanoes are cool. I did learn that Stromboli, the legendary villain from Pinocchio, is actually named for a volcano. Yep, this film was featuring Stromboli, or Stromboli was Maurice's first love. I did like the lava's cool stuff. They drew a lot of, you know, remember when they said this shot represents tectonic theory, and this plate, this one represents blah, 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 and it it felt dreamy and mesmerizing, but it's also school. Like, we're also learning stuff. I, I learned some stuff. You learned about gray volcanoes and red volcanoes. For sure, although I'm not sure that's an official scientific distinction. It is geologically in the sense that gray volcanoes are tectonic plates colliding and red volcanoes are characterized by plates separating. Yep. In a way, it more reminded me that teachers are people, that uh, the experts don't know, and sometimes the experts get killed in service of their science, and that they're just people together. Like, it wasn't a cosmic love that brought them together and thus brought volcanoes to the world at large or whatever. It was more like scientists need love too. And if you're like a 60s science nerd and you find other people, then it's like band camp, right? And everybody's horny and eventually they're going to hook up or whatever because the field is so small. (laughs) It humanized them and this movie because otherwise it would have been a nature documentary. Just a straight-up nature documentary. Yeah, it like could have been on planet Earth, Nat Geo, or whatever. And and it was, if it, if nothing else, at least about their passion and dedication to volcanoes above all else. He said, "We're not going to have kids." And I think the quote was, "Our life from now on is going to be volcanoes, volcanoes, volcanoes." Did I learn anything? I think leaning on the love angle kind of avoids having this mess. This movie having to have an educational message. Hmm. No, were you bored? Was lava I did, not I enough? I didn't. I mean, it was spectacular, archival. But I didn't buy the love story, although it was beautiful, this idea that the Earth spontaneously spawned these two individuals to come together to bring us back to the Earth. Like, it's a really nice thought and all, but it seemed like these were two like-minded people who were united in their scientific interest and probably nurtured that love between themselves. And it also made me think about this idea of life worth living. Like, they were very much in their element in like their element fulfilling their life's purpose and all that kind of stuff and they were talking about how they can't imagine life being any different yep and i mean anybody who's doing what they've been doing all their life can't really imagine their life being much different right the difference here is just that they truly living their life's passion where and i, and I don't think a lot of people can say that they were the top gun mavericks of volcanoes All roads, all lava flows lead back to Top Gun Maverick. The end is inevitable, Maverick. The future is coming and you're not in it, right? Not today. No kids, no one to mourn for you when you burn in. Come on. Right? Why is that, Captain? One of life's great mysteries. This isn't a joke. I asked you a question. I'm where I belong, sir. They were, like, there was nobody else. They, They were where they belonged That's exactly how they needed to die. It was a good death, Legends of the Fall style. And like uh, Tim Treadwell in Grizzly Man, they just, they didn't know or want anything else. And they courted their death the whole time. So what is keeping you from just setting out and like living John Muir style in Yosemite? Well, it's kind of the conveniences of life. 
I don't like to be uncomfortable. And it seemed like they fully enjoyed being uncomfortable. He's like, I'm going to melt my boot and kick the lava. And then I'm going to run across the lava as dangerous as it is. And we're going to sleep in a pup tent. And I don't know where they bury their poop or whatever, but it just it seems like a lot. And back in the day, we didn't have as many educational films. And apparently that wasn't enough for them. But there's nobody to tell them. And then they died as a result. Katya and Maurice were nothing if not intrepid. They loved volcanoes. They documented them richly so that we could know and love them too. And they also did some good in this world, educating people about the very real dangers of volcanoes that I didn't really even think about. I mean, some of these major eruptions happen within my lifetime, which is really scary to think about. And maybe they've saved, so maybe they saved some lives along the way. But ultimately, in Fire of Love, the film intended to be an inspiration of of being really in touch with one's own life purpose, like being pinnacles of self-actualization and following your dreams. I can get behind that. Yeah, I wonder. You know, they're chronicling their stuff, and it comes across dreamy and romantic in Sarah Dosa's world in her film, Fire of Love. But I wonder if this is how the crafts envisioned their media coming to the world in kind of a bigger way Um, because they've been dead for 30 years and nobody saw it and I'm sure they weren't doing it for themselves yes they were using it to fund their expeditions and stuff but is this would they have been annoyed to be the subjects of their film their marriage as opposed to you know I guess their passion comes through and that's important but they always kind of talked about how they had to do this in order to do what they love They created, they made film, they shot film, but I don't know that they were filmmakers necessarily. No, they were capturers, they were documenters, but they certainly, I don't think they were documentarian. Well, actually, maybe they were. It's Maybe it's the best kind, though. They didn't have to edit their crap. They're like... The unintentional documentarian? Yeah, they're the talent. They just go and shoot what they do because that's what they do and leave someone else to put it together and, and come up with the budget and all that stuff. I think people were attracted to them and their work and their dedication to it. And so I imagine some resources came their, their way because of that. You know, that these resources were attracted to them. Yeah. I wonder at the time, though, because now nerds are everything. And people who are fanatical about things, oh, they're quirky personalities. But maybe in their day, they were just nerds and nobody cared to see their footage. They were on TV and stuff and all that. But now we seem to, you know, the underdogs are, are king. I mean, they're not particular they're perfectly lovely people they're not particularly like movie star quality they they don't they i guess they're the best looking volcanologists i've ever seen oh yeah maurice is definitely going to be played by john c Riley. the elephant seal john c Riley as an elephant seal yeah um katya she's a bird she's like kevin from up <laughs> kevin will play be played by kevin <laughs> katya would be played by winona writer <laughs> yeah i guess so She's awfully, yeah, they're like uh, real life Wreck-It Ralphs in volcanoes, in Volcano Town. And that was Sarah Silverman, but the uh, the scale between the two of them is pretty accurate. Mm, right, because she, he's like twice her size. So as long as he's going ahead of her, she knows that the ground's not going to crumble beneath her. All right, so appropriate use of the music cue from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly? Yeah, no, I'm good with that. Um, it, it makes it's an anchor that makes it feel relatable or something that it's like tricking me into enjoying it because I'm like, oh, I recognize that. It's a artistic decision and I'm good with that. 
a worthy documentary to cover on or whatever movies? It's interesting um, because I think it was kind of hard to get you on board. And even, I mean, this is a pretty quick film. It's 90 minutes or something, and it still took you like three days, right? Yep. <laughs> so, but that says more about me than it does about the film. Right. But you see the film and you're like, whoa, because you have to be impressed by lava. Maybe you're at least on board enough to endure the love story or whatever. But then there's the filmmaking stuff that I love. Remember how much we loved Apollo 11 and how they were just like decades old of ridiculously high resolution footage and stuff. There was like 200 hours of volcano footage. How do you put together? It's like a whole year of your life in and of itself. My favorite part that I learned about this movie that has nothing to do with the, the romance or the love is, you know, how much of that footage had native sound had, uh, of that 16 millimeter footage had sound to it. I was wondering about this. None of it. Wow. The editors, uh, the director gave all the props to the editors and for sound design for putting this incredibly elaborate movie together from so much foot. Nobody shoots 200 hours of footage for a feature film besides like Kubrick or Christopher Nolan, right? Every time you see lava on film, that's sound department manufacturing stuff. I totally thought about that because there was one shot of red lava erupting that was like bloop, 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 right? bloop, 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 And I was like, oh, it's so like dreamy. And then a very similar style eruption was like, <laughs> like blasts. I'm sorry, I'm going to blow out your levels. That they didn't use actual like modern sound from volcanic eruptions or, or seismic activity or something like that. But she did admit that because they had to fabricate all the sounds, they were looking for anything that could convincingly be portrayed as volcano sounds. So what was one of the things they did use? Dinosaurs. No. Remember when you said the dinosaur thing and I was I thought you were referring to the dinosaur sound effects. She said, you don't necessarily know, but I think I know. When that cloud is coming down the mountain in Japan and it's threatening to kill everyone, I'm pretty sure there were dinosaur growls in there. <laughs> it's like a giant monster coming for right? you. Right, exactly. And that's what they wanted to portray. But dinosaurs in and of themselves are created sounds. They like took from Jurassic Park or whatever. Those aren't real dinosaurs. Those are like dolphins and whales and elephants and stuff. Yeah, they're like lions and buses. <laughs> so... But I mean, it, I think that they did a really great job because this is a tough film to sell, to pull off. It's it's all archived. They don't have a single contemporary, sh- not a single frame in this movie that wasn't shot, except for the animation. But nothing, the people that they interviewed, all their friends and stuff, nothing was modern. All the footage was old and presumably shot by them. And uh, they had to put it together. And I think they did a good job. It's curious because they're a volcanologist couple. And that's enough for me and wow those that footage is crazy and scary and makes for iconic posters and trailers do i sniff a totally no no no, no, it's fine it it was interesting but i almost forgot about it i did have to rewatch it and it was a curious it was an interesting experience i mean definitely all right it was it was almost too comprehensive and too convenient that they had these particular shots when it's just supposed to be out them out there in nature All right, so an official all right. This film got a little too close to being a snuff film for me (laughs) and reminded me too much. (laughs) Reminded me a little bit too much of my mortality, something that I'm already contemplating more of every day as I age. Um, And just how small we are and how insignificant we are in the grand scheme of things. I mean, maybe this is an important perspective, but I feel like it's coming at me from all sides. Like both girls are learning about dinosaurs and they're talking about the millions and millions of years of existence 
distance and stuff like that. And, you know, we're just maybe it doesn't have to be morbid or sad to think that we are small and insignificant and ephemeral. And maybe it's a it's good in a humbling way to think about the power of nature and whether nature is your higher power or like God's a higher power that it's more powerful than me. Oh, it totally worked. It made you all introspective and and, <laughs> and all French. <laughs> and maudlin and I'm gonna take off my little beret. Yeah. And go have a cigarette after this review. But yeah, no fire of love. I say all that, and it's not a criticism of the film. It was well done, and it does exactly what a documentary film should do. Bums you out? (laughs) (laughs) This is the happy Disney one. Takes you to a place you wouldn't otherwise ever experience. It can give you a completely new perspective. So, yeah, for that reason, I'll give it a good. And that's our discussion on Fire of Love from 2022, Oscar-nominated documentary film. We like documentary films here at Or Whatever Movies. We also have 200-plus discussions on narrative films at orwhatevermovies.com or wherever you get podcasts. Let us know what you thought of this film at 818-835-0473 or by emailing us orwhatevermovies at gmail.com. We always love to hear from you. Uh, We also appreciate five-star ratings and positive reviews. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of Her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric out.